Good morning, church. As we continue to worship this morning, I want to encourage you to take your copy of God's Word and turn with me to the Gospel of Mark, Mark chapter 6. Once you've found Mark chapter 6, let's begin this time of studying His Word together just with a word of prayer. Let's pray. O Lord, Your Word is a lamp unto our feet, a light to our path. Grant us the grace to receive Your truth by faith this morning. Grant us the strength to follow on the path that you have set before us. We pray all of this in the name of your Son and our Savior, Jesus. Amen. In the first book of the trilogy that we know to be the Lord of the Rings, and I know I know, if you're counting at home, this is two weeks in a row that I've made a Lord of the Rings reference here, so just, just bear with me here. But uh, so first book, Lord of the Rings, Frodo is at the sort of the start of the book. He's lamenting this great evil that's erupted in his generation. He resents the perilous journey that he has to go on to destroy the one ring and ultimately to save Middle Earth. And so he says this, I I wish it need not have happened in my time. Gandalf again, the great wizard, responds both with compassion and wisdom by saying, so do I, and so do all who live to see such times. But that is not for them to decide. All we have to decide is what to do with the time that is given us. We don't, do we? We we don't get to choose the times that we live in. You didn't get a vote. I didn't get a vote. We do not get a vote on when we are born and where we are born. Most of our life, there are circumstances that are thrust upon us by forces that are much larger than our primary wishes and, and even our whims. But we do get to choose this. We do get to choose what are we to do with the time that is given us? What are we to do with the time that is given us? For many of us, that time is occupied with a variety of emotions right now. Maybe for some of you at this point in this journey of this unique season of your life, fatigue is surrounding you. Maybe some frustration, maybe doubt, maybe Anxiety, anxiety about sickness, uh, anxiety about economic uncertainties. All, all of these emotions are natural emotions. They're, they're fitting emotions for the tumultuous times that we're living in here. But there's some of us during this time that, that are wrestling with the question, do we know for sure that God actually cares that God actually cares about the pain and the suffering that thousands, millions of people are experiencing in the world. Uh, we're wondering that question, and I want you to see in God's Word in Mark chapter 6 here that, that God's Word is so clear in the ministry of His Son Jesus about how He cares for those who are suffering in the midst of sickness and illness. Mark chapter 6 Jesus goes back to his hometown in Nazareth to minister. He has this reception of sorts when he preaches in the synagogue there. And it wasn't a reception filled with adoration and adulation. No, it was a reception filled with doubt and disbelief. 
In Mark chapter 6, verses 2 through 6, after he preaches in the synagogue, we hear the response of those who heard his message. And you read it, and you can read it along with me in Mark chapter 6, verse 2 and 3. Where did this man get these things? What is the wisdom given to him? How are such mighty works done by his hands? Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, and the brother of James, and Joseph, and Judas, and Simon? Are not his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. Jesus marvels in this section of Scripture. He marvels at the unbelief and the hardness of heart of his own family members and his own hometown. Verse 5 of chapter 6 we read, And he could do uh, no mighty work there, except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and he healed them. Now, what I want you to see in this passage here is notice that the skepticism and the doubt of his hometown family members and even maybe even childhood friends, it didn't prevent Jesus from doing what? Ministering to the sick, ministering to those who had physical needs. You go just further in Mark chapter 6 here and you see the commissioning of the disciples to go out two by two to preach and to extend the ministry of the kingdom of God that Jesus ushers in with his presence and with his message of repentance. And then we read in verses 12 and 13, notice this, so they went out the disciples, two by two, they went out, they proclaimed that people should repent, and they cast out many demons and anointed with all many who were sick and healed them. Do you notice this constant theme here? Who did Jesus have this magnet toward? Those who were suffering. He ministered throughout his earthly ministry to those who were suffering with illnesses, that were rampant in that day, and certainly in Jesus' day, which is very far removed from the 21st century and the medicinal advances that we so readily enjoy, even in the midst of this pandemic. In Jesus' day, best case scenario, best case scenario, medicinal cures were primitive at best and reserved for the few and the elite. For the majority of people, medicinal cures were absolutely non-existent. And so you have the heart of Jesus' earthly ministry being one not only of the proclamation of his kingdom through word, but you have this deed ministry, caring for the sick, caring for the hurting. Matthew's gospel sort of sums up much of his earthly ministry in these two verses, in verses 35 through 36. Jesus went throughout all the cities and the villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. Verse 36, when he saw the crowds, he had, do you notice, you notice what it says? He had compassion for them. Uh, this is one of the uh, beautiful aspects of the earthly ministry of the eternal incarnate Son of God here, that he saw the sick and he had compassion on them. It flowed from his character because there was no one who ever walked this earth who knew better that sickness and illness and death were not a part of God's original blueprint for the creation of this earth here. You go back to Genesis chapter 1, verse 33, God rests after he creates everything, and then we have his estimation of it all, that it was very good. What does that mean? In the Garden of Eden, there were no rogue parasites. In the Garden of Eden, there were no harmful germs. Adam and Eve didn't have to worry about a hacking cough or sinus headaches. Uh, sin enters into the world. 
and it enters into the world not as a part of God's original good creation, but as a, as a parasite, as something that comes in from the outside. And when sin enters into this world, so does death, and so does sickness enter into this world. Now, what's the solution? What's the solution to the sickness problem? What's the solution that we see even in the ministry of Jesus here? Now, in our world, we're praying for scientists. We're praying for doctors who are searching for a vaccine to bring about a remedy for COVID-19. And and we rightfully should pray for scientists, and we rightfully should pray for governmental officials and and doctors who are caring for this. But I, I think it's important for all of us to be reminded, and we need to hear this carefully, that, that no scientist can vaccinate you, no scientist can vaccinate me from the physical and the spiritual effects of sin. You and I, we need a Savior to heal us from our deepest pandemic, the pandemic of sin. Now, this is important for us to remember because Jesus' ministry is that he comes as our rescuer. He comes to seek and to save the lost. And a part of his healing ministry is a ministry that, that does miracles to those that were outcast, to those who were sick, who had no prospects for an earthly cure. And it was, it was really God's divine authentication of who his son was. This is my son. He is the eternal son of God. And you see this through Jesus' earthly ministry, but you also see in his healing ministry, you see a preview of coming attractions. You see where we are headed when we place our faith in Jesus and in his finished work, and when we accept him as our rescuer, we place our faith in him. I'm sure you have a list of things that you're really looking forward to doing. Uh, Once we get out of this uh, state lockdown, national lockdown, things begin to ease. And I'm really looking forward to the day where we're able to to walk around freely and go to restaurants and those kinds of things. And so I have this sort of list of of things I'm really looking forward to doing. Uh, Certainly on the top of that list is seeing family members that we haven't been able to see uh, other than FaceTime and uh, calling on phone on the phone and those kinds of things. Uh, certainly, uh, worshiping together. I mean, here we are in our beautiful sanctuary, and it's completely empty. And I look forward to the day that we're going to be able to worship together. Now, that's going to look differently. Even when we're able to come back together, it's going to probably be a process for us. But to be able to see you in person and not to uh, see you, quote-unquote, through the lens of, of this message that I'm preaching right here, I, I look forward to that. I really look forward to being able to get back on the baseball field with our boys. I look forward to Danielle and I going on a date. We, we, when, we're, when restaurants open back up, we're, we're going to get dressed up. We're going to go to a really fancy restaurant, uh, probably like a Cracker Barrel, maybe. <laughs> so, uh, I, But you get the point here. Uh, one of the things, though, when, when I think about the things that I really look forward to doing, and, and I know it seems so silly to even say this, but I really look forward to going to see a movie in a movie theater. I've always enjoyed that experience. I always enjoy the communal experience. And one of the things I love about it is getting there 15 minutes early, 20 minutes early, and seeing this uh, long uh, previews, these coming attractions, these two-and-a-half-minute vignettes of movies that maybe I have not heard about, didn't know was being produced. And you just get to see a glimpse of what is coming in the future. And so all of these ministries of, of Jesus healing people, they're, they're glimpses of 
coming attractions. They're, they're just coming attractions of what we will experience in heaven. One way to say this is that Jesus' healing ministry is a coming attraction of what we will all experience for an eternity. Uh, COVID-19 has no place in God's original design. And I assure you, it has no place in the new heaven and the new earth. Every nameless person who was healed in Jesus' earthly ministry it is a coming attraction. It's a preview of the day when God will fully roll back the effects of the curse, when he will fully wipe away every tear, when he will make all things new. So, so don't lose heart because we're headed to a place where there are no more diagnoses, no more prescriptions, no more treatment plans. Sickness and sin will be silenced forevermore. Now, until he wipes away every tear, every tear from our eyes, there will be tears here on this earth. And until he rids the, the world of sickness, they will still be sickness here on the earth. And so while we are here, uh, there is a mission that he has called us to join him in that no pandemic can pause. And that's to share the good news that a rescuer has come. His name is Jesus. And just as Jesus showed compassion to the sick, as he showed compassion to the hurting, so we as Christians, we get to join him in ministering during these unique days where there is so much need. Uh, there's economic uncertainty, there's sickness around us. And so as followers of Jesus, we join him in the hurts of our world, understanding that he has gone before us there. That is where he is working. That is where he is ministering even now. I mean, you look back. Look back in church history. You go back to second century Rome. There's an epidemic that swept through the Roman Empire. There's 15 years of this span. Some estimates are a quarter. The Roman population died. Do you know what Christians did that set them apart from the others that were non-believers in that second century Roman world? Instead of casting out their family members who were sick, they cared for them in their homes. They nursed them, uh, many back to health by food and by water. They didn't throw them out on the street. You fast forward just 200 years later to Caesarea, which is modern-day Turkey, and then you have Christians who take in lepers. You have Christians that take in uh, children who were sick, and you have really the foundations of, of the first uh, hospitals. And here are Christians who are setting themselves apart from the world, a world that so often took lepers and children and those who were sick and pushed them out to the margins as far away from those who were well. But Christians showed something that was distinct. And what they were doing is they were following the, the legacy of their Savior, our Savior. The legacy of Christianity is following the example of Jesus to care for needs, care for the needs. Now, I, and what a great joy that our church has. Here at Dawson, we're praying, God, show us needs in our community and the communities around us. And may we be found faithful to, to join you where you are at work. Uh, thousands of grab-and-go lunches have been uh, prepared through your faithful giving, through the faithful work of, of volunteers and some of our staff members here at Dawson to be able to provide lunches for the powderly community, to be able to partner with great, wonderful church, Greater St. John Baptist Church. 
Uh, right now we're in the middle of a two-week food uh, canned food drive. Right now we're collecting goods to be able to uh, fully stock a food pantry to be able to meet the needs in the Powderly community in the greater Birmingham area. We want to we want to come alongside of people who are suffering and some of that might not be sickness, but it might be economic challenges. And so we know that is where God is at work. And so we want to join him there. I've been so proud of uh, many of our life groups who are so intentional about writing hundreds, literally hundreds of handwritten notes that are going uh, with, with a gift card to three COVID-19 units there at UAB. And so this last week, I got, I got a note, an email from one of those frontline healthcare providers that our church wants to intentionally encourage and to let them know we're praying for them. And so just listen to, to this email that I got, because I get these emails and I, I want you to hear how you're faithful just coming alongside of what God is doing is making a personal impact in the life of those who are caring for those who are sick or caring for those who are suffering during this time. So listen to this email, Pastor David. I want to thank you and everyone at Dawson for the handwritten cards and gift cards that were given to the medical ICU nurses at UAB this morning. As a staff nurse on the medical ICU, we are accustomed to caring for critically ill patients, but we're not accustomed. We're not accustomed to the unrelenting number of critically ill patients. I was delighted when the cards were passed out this morning. It certainly was a refreshing way to start my shift on this unit. The heartfelt message really was a delight, especially during such difficult and exhausting times. I'm reminded of how re-energizing the Word of God is. Listen to this again. I'm reminded of how re-energizing the Word of God is during times of such emotional and physical strain. So I just, as your pastor, I get these kind of emails, and I just want to say how proud I am of how you are answering God's call to come alongside of those who are on the front lines caring for those who are sick, caring for those that are filled with, with physical uncertainty, physical strain upon their lives here. And so to be able to receive these emails just as a representative of your church, I just want to thank uh, many of the life groups here at Dawson, many of you who are, whether it's collecting canned goods, whether it's giving to our church to be able to help us join God where he is at work in the midst of the needs of our community for such a time as this. Now, you're watching this and maybe you say, I, 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 I need to be a part of this. I need to know how I can take practical steps as an individual or as a family member to join Jesus where he is at work. And that is with the hurting. That is with those who need the compassion that our Savior so readily showed throughout his earthly ministry. And so if we were just to take just some practical steps this week, would, would you join me? Would you join our church collectively for just as we pray, as we consistently pray for the hurting, we consistently pray for the sick, we consistently pray for the vulnerable. And not only do we use that prayer just as a foundation to build ministry structures, to be able to meet needs, but, but we ask God in our prayers, we ask God, Help us see the needs around us. Maybe the needs in our own neighborhoods. Maybe the needs in the uh, communities around us. Maybe it's the needs of family members. Maybe it's needs of individuals or families within our life groups. We ask God, give us eyes to see. 
Give us eyes to see those needs. Give us a heart that is compassionate as your heart was compassionate. And then finally, we just look for ways to show compassion. And we don't have to programatize this, do we? There are endless ways that you as an individual or you and your children, you and your spouse can this coming week uh, join God in his work showing compassion to those who need it. Maybe it's a phone call. Maybe it's writing a note. Maybe it literally is a financial gift uh, to be able to support benevolent needs within our church and our larger community. Maybe it is. I mean, it's certainly not hard to co- collect canned goods. I mean, that is something that all of us can do. We can collect canned goods, come by. You can read more about that at dawsonchurch.org slash, um, I don't know, dawsonchurch.org. Go to dawsonchurch.org and you'll be able to find more about uh, how you can uh, join uh, what we're doing in that effort there. Let me end it this way. I love the great Southern writer, uh, Flannery O'Connor. I mean, she, she's not for the squeamish of heart. Uh, she's a Southern Gothic fiction writer, but it was a woman of, of deep faith. And all of her short stories, uh, her couple of novels, have this richness, richness of, of God's word and, and a very unique form of literature. But Flannery, O'Con- uh, Flannery O'Connor was, was very familiar with suffering. She suffered from lupus, died at a pretty young age uh, there in, in Georgia. And in some of the last writings that she did, she said this, and it is just this week, it has just really resonated with me at a very deep level. So here, here are Flannery O'Connor's words. You will have found Christ when you're more concerned about the sufferings of others than your own. You will find where Christ is at work when you're more concerned about the suffering of others than yours. We don't get to choose the time that we live in. You don't, I don't, we didn't get a vote. No one asked us. We don't get to choose that. But we do, on a daily basis, get to choose how we will answer the vitally important question, what are we to do with the time that is given to each of us? Let us pray. Gracious God, we thank you for the opportunity to be alive in such a time as this. In the midst of challenges and in the midst of at times, what can seem to be overwhelmingly difficult scenarios that people are facing, uh, economic challenges, sickness, illness, uh, there are many that are looking for hope. And we thank you that you are our hope. And we can join you in ministering to those who, who need that hope. Thank you that you came for us You came to seek and to save the lost. And as we place our faith in you, we have hope even in the midst of challenging times. And we get to join you in your mission, your mission to come alongside of those who are sick, to come alongside of those who are struggling, to come alongside of those who have uh, needs. All of us do. They look different, but all of us are in need of you and of need of your grace. So give us wisdom this week to continue to be a part of your grand mission to bring glory to you and good to those. May we be the hands and feet extending that love in the places that we live and the places that we go. Give us a heart.
to have compassion. Give us eyes to see needs. We pray this in the name of your Son and our Savior Jesus. Amen.